Howdy, howdy, y'all. I'm Curtis Sunset. And I'm Leo Halston. And, and this is Weathery Rainbows. y'all today we have a very special guest with us we have Stuart walker uh, who is a representative from sweet evening breeze which we have been talking about in our past few episodes uh, this is the organization that leah has chosen uh, to raise funds for with uh, hunks and pumps coming up this wednesday uh, so we brought Stu on the show to tell us a little bit about sweet evening breeze and how it all started uh, so i'm going to kick it over to you to introduce yourself and tell us about Sweet Evening Breeze. Sure. So first, thank you all so much for having me on and giving us the opportunity to spread awareness about this organization. Um, so how Sweet Evening Breeze started, we have both or two of our board members um, were earning their PhDs at the University of Louisville, and they decided to research LGBTQ youth um, experiencing homelessness in the city. And what they found was that in Louisville, um, 5% of the total population identified as LGBTQ youth, but 25% of the homeless youth in the city. Um, so that's kind of a disgusting number if you think right. about it. Um, and so, but at the same time, they found the story of James uh, Sweet Evening Breeze Herndon, who was born in Scott County, Kentucky in 1892 and is believed to be the originator of the Lexington drag scene. So Sweets was known for random acts of kindness, such as baking sweets, um, donating shoes to poor families. They were also known for their warm hospitality and entertainment. So we adopted their name, the Sweet Evening Breeze, in honor of their generosity. And our mission is to provide a safe haven for LGBTQ youth that are experiencing homelessness. That is great. And we, uh, that's a good story. yeah, that's, uh, definitely a, something I had not known about this. Um, what, uh, I know you mentioned kind of some of the demographics in terms of, uh, that 25% of those were homeless LGBTQ youth. Um, how does your organization, uh, reach out to LGBTQ youth that are in that situation or how should they contact you if they're in need? So that's a good question. And it's a question I had too, when I was interviewing for the position was how, how in the world are we going to tell what youth need our services? Um, and so one of the ways is that we're going to be on the ground. Um, we're going to have our brochures. We're going to go out into the city, out into the community and pass out uh, hygiene and toiletry packets with our information. Um, we're not going to go around like asking if if anyone you know belongs to the LGBTQ community, um, and then we're also hoping that our community partners, like counselors, um, medical offices, will have our names so that they can uh, refer out to us. Um, so it's going to be a little tricky at first to find 
our clients, but with, you know, by spreading awareness of, about our organization, we're hoping that they'll come in and we can help as many people as possible. Yeah, that'll be great. What, uh, what services are you all going to provide uh, for these youth? Well, we have a lot. Um, our goal, our ultimate goal is to provide housing for them. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. right now, our office is not, uh, cannot accommodate housing. Uh, but that is a, a goal that we're looking forward to. So the programs that we'll be off- off- offering is um, just a general drop in support um, from off the streets, safety from off the streets for a little bit. We're ha- we'll have nutritional support. And then we'll have educational and um, employment counseling. Um, and then we'll have mental and emotional health as well. Now, you all are getting a, a brand new center, correct? I know that uh, there's the LGBTQ center, and then I believe you all are getting a home as well uh, coming up. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about we, that? Uh, so, yeah, I'm actually in the office right now, and we're getting it ready. So there's painter's tape up here because we're painting it and making it look nice. Um we're located on 801 Barrett Avenue in Louisville, Kentucky, and the Louisville Pride Foundation uh, is opening their center, their LGBTQ center um, in Old Louisville, which is not too far away from us. Um, and so, yeah, we, we have been working together. Um, we're not the same organization, but we do work closely with them, and we're hoping to do some programming and events uh, at their center if we can. So. Mm-hmm. How can people get involved with your organization? Well, there are a lot of ways. Uh, first, we need as much monetary donations as we can get. Um, and you can go on our website, sweeteveningbreeze.org, and we have a donation button um, so you can make a donation. We also need uh, toiletries and hygiene products um, that you can bring into our office. Uh, we just ask that you call first so that someone's there to receive those items. Um, and then volunteering as well. We have a short list of volunteers right now, um, but we're always looking for more. Um, what we need mostly right now is the administrative logistics side of things. So if you have any experience um, with doing administration stuff or programming, uh, we, would, we would like some help with that as well. So are you all specifically just for uh, like the Louisville homeless or... For instance, if there's uh, kids out further in Kentucky in rural areas, obviously that to me is, would be a huge problem. Um, will you all be able to help them as well, or how, how are you all coordinating that? Well, we certainly aren't going to turn anyone away um, because they don't live in Louisville. Um, but we don't have the capacity to do any kind of transportation services right now. Um, so... I think that's something that we definitely want to look for in the future as we grow and expand. Uh, but for right now, we're just taking anyone who walks in no matter what. And I think that would be really cool for us to do is just because, I mean, if there's ever anybody in that situation, I know I would be willing to drive wherever to go get them and, and bring them to Louisville as long as you could uh, yeah. legally. Um, you know, normally you got to have the 18 to 24 year old kind of range to, to do that. But um if that were the case, maybe there could be a list put together on, you know, people willing to do that kind of volunteer transportation. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm, I'm out. That's in, a really great suggestion. Yeah. Like I'm out in Owensboro, Kentucky. So, you know, like there's a lot of Louisville folks, LGBTQ folks that have now gone out in back into these rural areas uh, that could 
bring them up or, or do something on those lines. Uh, so on our show, uh, normally it's it's very person specific. Uh, this is uh, more sweet evening breeze specific. So, uh, but we do want to do a three do's and don'ts uh, segment for this specifically for uh, what homeless youth should should know. So, uh, what are three do's and don'ts uh, that you would recommend? So I kind of frame this. Um what to do and what not to do if you see homeless youth or really actually anyone experiencing homelessness um, on the street. So do number one is call an ambulance if they are unresponsive, but try as hard as you can to get somebody's consent before you offer any kind of medical help. Um, The second one is treat them with dignity and respect, uh, smile and look them in the eye. And the third one, and probably the most important, is educate and familiarize yourself with local resources. Uh, so I would recommend keep keep keeping business cards, contact information, directions in your purse or wallet, um, and then maybe in your car keeping some water bottles, snacks, and clean socks and underwear um, that you can keep on you and pass out easily if you need to. That's great. Um, the don'ts. Uh, never call the police on a person who is not a threat. Um, and then I added here, drug use and mental illness are not threats. So if you suspect that somebody is using a drug or you suspect that they're going through some kind of mental crisis, that is not a reason to call the police and you shouldn't do it. Um, police involvement often leads to prolonged homelessness and added trauma for the individual. So we want to steer clear of that. Um, of course, like I said, in in the do section, if they need an ambulance and they say that they want an ambulance, you should provide that, um, but do not call the police. Um, The second one is don't offer help above your means or promise help that you can't provide. So if you, you know, you're feeling bad for this person that's on the street, that's understandable, um, but don't promise to give them money that you don't have. Don't promise to give them shelter that you don't have um, or that is not sustainable um, because they need consistency and they need people who um, can refer them to the correct places. And then the third one is don't force them to do anything that they don't want to do. So don't force them to go to a shelter. Don't force them to accept food or money. Um, They're people and they have the right to choose uh, what they do and what they do not want. Yeah, I think all that is, is absolutely wonderful advice. Things um, people should, uh, definitely take into consideration and, and try to plan for. One thing I, I know that like schools will do with teachers is like they train them kind of how to, uh, know if like a child's being abused or, uh, right. is there anything that, that are kind of like recognizable signs that would maybe show that a homeless, that's, that a youth is homeless? Um, well, it's hard to, to identify, somebody that is part of the LGBTQ community and needs help. So, um, and, and that goes back to, you know, talking about how it's, it's going to be hard to find our clients at some points, um, and how it's, we're really going to be depending on the community and with, um, referral services and stuff like that. But I think as, you know, educators or as family members, what we can do is 
look for signs of abuse or rejection in our teens and youth that aren't homeless, you know, because they are still experiencing that risk of homelessness. And if we can do what we can to prevent that, that's going to be, you know, that that work is going to start in schools, uh, doctor's offices, churches, whatever. Um, so I think keeping an eye out for that kind of stuff before before it gets to the worst case scenario is probably going to be the the most helpful thing. I didn't experience homelessness mostly because I was 20 years old by the time that I came out. Um, but mm-hmm. part of that reason is, is I didn't come out because I knew that there was a high chance that I could be homeless. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of kids out in rural areas that would feel that way. Uh, one thing I would suggest is maybe uh, we create some sort of hotline uh, for, you know, 18 or under uh, that can call in as like a, I'm about to come out to my parents. Um, mm-hmm. Just so we are kind of made aware, like this is about to happen. We need to follow up and check on them. Uh, make sure that they aren't, you know, kicked out of their house that evening, um, you know, or, you know, maybe kind of coordinate some of those coming out stories uh, to help there. Um, I just think that would have been yeah. incredibly beneficial for me to be able to come out and be true to myself earlier. So, uh, yeah, it definitely would have been <laughs> beneficial for me too. I mean, I have a very, I'm very lucky. I have a very supportive family, but even then I was still so scared and, and would have, love to hear someone else's advice and someone else's story um someone that i trusted so yeah i think that's a great suggestion and and i love what you all are doing because you're a kentucky organization you know like yeah it's it's totally different whenever we come out versus calling you know sometimes the trevor project which is all the way out in california like it's Mm -hmm. um so it's nice to have that local mentality of like there's somebody within the state that i can reach out to Um, So I really admire what you're doing there. Um, One thing we do like to like put faces to names and organizations. Um, Can you share a little bit of your personal story? Do you care to do that? Sure. Yeah, I can do that. Um, So I'm Stu and I'm from born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky to a very Catholic family. Um, Surprisingly, that worked out well for me. Um, My... (laughs) My uncle is a priest of the Catholic mm-hmm. Church, and my great aunt was a nun. Um, I'm 95% sure that she was a lesbian, uh, which has really informed like my queerness uh, very recently. I've done a lot of research about her, and she had, you know, she had her best nun friend. Um, <laughs> right. So, so, yeah, um, I I did not actually come out to my parents they kind of told me I was gay um which is which is a odd experience to have um what age were you I was I'm not sure the age but I think I was in eighth grade so I don't know that's like 13 maybe 13 or 14 uh yeah so I, I think I was one of the actually I think I was the only kid in school that had come out Um, and it was a pretty big middle school in the city. So it was terrifying. I lost all of my friends that year. Um, and you know, like 
isolated myself and it was a really mm-hmm. scary time. And then when I, you know, thankfully I got to high school and things got better. Uh, people were more open-minded and stuff like that, but it was, it was a scary time, but they got better. Yeah. I think Leah can probably relate to the school situation uh, more than I can. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I went through some traumatic stuff through high school as well. So Yeah. I I didn't come out as trans until college. Um, So luckily, I luckily and unluckily, I guess I kind of got to I kind of got to skip that part. Um, But yeah, coming out as as gay was really tough. Yeah, I I wasn't I was just a little gay boy in Mm -hmm. that got picked on because we didn't have bullying laws and clauses when I was coming in high school. So it was it was really tough for me. Yeah, See, you know, I'm I'm still saying it's tough for kids now, but it's easier now because there's people you can talk to and stuff. I had nobody to talk to. Right. You know. Uh, so you said that they told you in like eighth grade, they kind of told you that you were gay. What was that experience like? Because. I think that's that's a very unique experience. I, I can't see like, especially like Catholic parents coming to their, I guess probably around thirteen or so. I, I don't know what yeah. eighth grade is, but and saying that, so how did that go down? <laughs> well, I guess that they had. My mom says that she's known that I was queer since I was like three or four years old. Um, so I don't know. One day we were sitting in my room, me and my sister and my mom. And my sister was dating this stupid dude that nobody liked. Um, He was really pretentious and just really annoying. And my mom was talking to my sister um, about marriage and and about respect in a marriage. And she was she was basically implying that this this dude would not respect my sister. So she was like, you know, whenever you you all get married to a man. And then she looked at me and said, or a woman. (laughs) And we all just kind of froze because, you know, I was out to my sister, but not out to my mom. So um, I was just like, what do you what do you mean by that? And she was just like, well, I know you're gay. And that was that was it. And then I guess she told she told my dad after that, who never really said anything about it. And it just we just went on like normal. That's incredible. Uh, (laughs) I mean, my mom had to say the word for me. Um, I, I couldn't say the word, but she was, you know, she was like, you know, there's only one thing in the world I could think that you'd be afraid to tell me. And I, I was still not able to say it. So she had to finally be like, you're gay, you know? So yeah, that's just a uh, interesting. Um, so are, is, are you all going to have uh, anybody able to come out on Wednesday or what's for the event? I know it's around Thanksgiving, uh, so, so our um, our board director is going to be there at Ariel Brooks. So she, so uh, the executive director and myself will not be there, but she will be. Okay. okay. Now I was told somebody was was going to be in this show. Is that not true? <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not okay. sure what. I'm not sure where yeah. Ariel's plans are, but okay. Uh, no, I, I, I maybe Travis could have been making something up. So <laughs> he said that somebody wanted to, wanted to perform as well, 
and, hmm. and be in the show. So, I mean, I, I, it, 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 I'm open to whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, definitely not me. I'm a huge introvert, but, <laughs> but Ariel, I don't know. Maybe she'll, maybe she'll get on stage and perform. Yeah. Well, it, it, it'll definitely be nice to have, um, you get somebody come and represent, um, you know, cause we, you know, like this is something new for me as well. And, uh, Travis and I sat down, I knew I wanted to do an organization. I didn't know what organization and Travis, uh, kind of came up with, uh, sweet evening breeze. And he was like, you know, what do you think about, uh, homeless youth? And I said, well, you know, it, it's kind of, um, something that's such dear to me because you know, I was kicked out the house, mm-hmm. you know, as well. You know, I, I, I lived in the park for like two months, you know, in high, high school. So, um, and I'll, and I always like to do something for the kids that, you know, kids are really dear to my heart. So, um, um, so this is, um, I'm very excited that yeah. I'm doing this, you know, we're very excited too. We're, we're honestly in, in awe of how many people have reached out to us already. Um, yeah. And how many volunteers have already wanted to support us. You know, like we just, yeah. we just had a press release last week and all of a sudden we've got tons of people that, that are showing their support, which gives me a lot of faith as a trans person and as a program coordinator at this yeah. organization. It's really amazing. So thank you so yeah. much for, for doing that and for spreading awareness that really means a lot to us. Yeah. And and that's the goal, you know, like I said, you know, and, and I didn't know where and how it was going to go. And, you know, like, uh, Alyssa Edwards kicked it off, you know, I don't know if you know if Alyssa Edwards from drag race, but she's, she came a few Fridays ago and she, um, you know, she works with kids. She has a dance studio and she found out I was doing this. Uh, we were doing this benefit, four kids and she was like oh then i'm gonna dedicate my next number to help leah raise money for the organization and in one number she raised eleven hundred dollars so we're starting off with wow money (laughs) that's awesome and and every uh i've been announcing it every night you know and people just been walking up handing me money saying i can't be here can't be here so um you know i'm looking for wednesday to be a great night so yeah, me too. And I guess I we've got some some swag, some uh, sweet evening breeze masks and pins and brochures and stuff. So I guess we need to make a point to bring those down and yeah, yeah, whatever whatever you can do. Yeah, we can we can hand those out. Uh, I know I'll be there about five five thirty. Um, I didn't and I'm I didn't even think about you know um, you guys needing like toiletries and stuff like that. Maybe we could have had people I wonder if it's too late to even ask people to even drop those off or if you come and bring something yeah that, yeah I think we can whatever. work on that Curtis we can and see yeah uh, did uh did you come up with the, do any of the pot of gold questions or are you here's one okay so if you are arrested with no explanation what would your friends and family assume that you had done <laughs> is this one pinpointed in both of us or that's a good one <laughs> If, uh, yeah, both of you can answer. Yeah, I'm gonna make you go first. <laughs> um, first of all, uh, my family probably wouldn't even care because I've been I've been arrested several times, <laughs> and uh, I do remember one time I got arrested. The last time I got arrested, I called my mom and 
um, she said she did. She accepted the call. And uh, I said, I'm in jail. She said, well, clearly you are. And I said, well, you're going to come get me. She said, nope, stay in there. Uh, but I was arrested for fighting. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. I... The, my, fr- my friends and family would assume I'm in, I've been arrested for fighting because I got a hot mouth. <laughs> see i'm a goody two-shoes so i don't that's I don't, what, yeah you, i don't get in trouble that much i guess if if i was i think my family would first off be like they got the wrong person <laughs> <laughs> i'd say second they'd probably assume it was like my mouth that, that got me in trouble um you know because i will uh speak my mind on things even if it's a person of authority so that does not bother me one bit to be very vocal. Um, but I still feel like it would be so nice. Like, sir, um, <laughs> I didn't really turn. The, I didn't really run that light. I don't know what you, like, I feel like you would be really nice with it. Yeah. I don't see you being that ag- angry, aggressive person. The only time I get really aggressive is if it's like, if they are targeting like one of my friends and I get more like super aggressive whenever I'm defending somebody. I guess that's why I'm a lawyer Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. than I do even for myself. So uh, (laughs) I would definitely say that would be the reason that I would probably go to jail. So that was a good question. That was one of the better ones this season. Is there anything else that you want to let us know before uh, we hop off of here? Well, I did want to just reiterate that, um, the, we are not, uh, currently offering housing, um, unfortunately. So our office cannot accommodate housing. Um, that is a goal mm-hmm. that we are looking forward to and are hoping to have sooner rather than later. Right. Um, but we don't want to mislead anyone. So, uh, what we're offering is, uh, medical, um, services like hep c hiv testing for free we're offering mental and emotional counseling educational and career counseling um and those types of services nutritional and stuff like that so we're not yet um open for housing if they were to contact you in need of housing you all would be able to point them to the right direction of uh you know the housing places that's a good question uh Yes, there are several shelters in Louisville. We're going to be the mm-hmm. only one that is LGBTQ focused, um, which is a it's a real need in our city. Um, but there are other shelters, and we have all of the those resources on hand. Um, and so, if someone were to call, uh, we would absolutely take the time to help them find something. Yeah. And I know you all are more focused on youth. Uh, how do you all define youth in terms of is there age range or? Yeah, the, the way that we defined, define youth is 18 to 25. Um, but like right. I said earlier, we're not going to turn anyone away that needs help. Um, I think we're using the 18 to 25, and that's just based on the statistics um, that we were using. So the, you know, 120% of, you know, risk of increased risk of homelessness falls into that 18 to 25 category. Um, so but we're not going to turn anyone away that's like 15, obviously. So I know this is uh, something that's near and dear to, yeah. I know mine and Leah's heart. Um, both of us have really, yeah. really love what you all are doing out there. And 
you know, that's one of the main reasons we started this show is is for LGBTQ youth in, in rural areas specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, our experience is something that's totally different than what is portrayed a lot mm-hmm. of times on yeah. the media. You know, it's I always tell people it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but it's not all gray sk- cloud, clouds and yeah either, you know, so. Uh, there's a lot of people yeah. out there that are willing to help you. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast and you need that sort of help, uh, feel free to reach mm-hmm. out to Sweet Evening Breeze. Um, if you don't have a computer or phone or anything like that, a lot of times that's the, the situation. Uh, but you may have heard uh, this podcast previously. Um, you know, go to the library. Yeah. A lot of times they have those resources. That way you can find uh, out how to reach out to Sweet Evening Breeze to get that sort of help. Uh, so we want to thank Stu so much for being here today um, and kind of talking us through this new programming. Um, and we wish you all all the best uh, as this organization yes. continues to grow. Yeah, thank you all so much for having me. And thank you so much for having this event for us. We're so excited and so appreciative. And we cannot wait to yes. see where yes. the organization well, goes. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Don't forget to come on back now. I know we all love a little vibration, so if you're not already, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. And we will surprise you on occasion with a new release vibration in your pocket. But in the meantime, if you find yourself alone or crossing new horizons along the rainbow trail and you need a friend or even a laugh to get you through those dark and stormy nights, holler on out to us at www.weatheringrainbows.com where you can find shelter in the blogs, videos, and other episodes that will hopefully keep you out of a whole heap of trouble. So until next time, y'all, giddy up, be true to yourself, and make the best of life. And wherever the wild tracks may lead you, may the rainbow always touch your shoulder.